welcome you this morning to Norris Ferry Community Church. We invite you to stand with us as we begin our time of worship.
Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. good. Yeah, you got to be nice and loud so I can hear you through those masks. It's so good to see you. It's so exciting to celebrate baptism today. We've got several to, to uh, just celebrate. And baptism is an opportunity for those who have trusted faith in Christ, put their faith in Christ. Uh, I've identified with Jesus his burial, his resurrection, and his, the cleansing that he gives. And that's what's all symbolized in uh, the ordinance of baptism. Uh, excited to share with you, first of all, let you hear their stories. Jacob Canatella, come on down, Jacob, and uh, I'm excited for them to, I'm going to give you six feet as best as I can, all right? So, uh, yeah, six-ish. So share your story, and we're excited for them to hear you. All right, can y'all hear me? All right, fun fact, I don't like speaking in front of people, and I don't like water, so if it looks like I'm tense and shaking, I am. But, all right, now to my actual testimony. Um, this is actually my second baptism. My first one was when I was a baby. I don't remember it. It was done under my parents' faith in the Catholic religion. And growing up, I was always thought I was a believer, always considered myself a Christian, but never really applied it outside of church. So I was just felt like a Christian one hour a week. And then as I grew older, I started idolizing other idols. I started putting church on the back burner, and I grew further away. And so I felt like I was lost for a few years in college there and then I felt like I started to be found whenever I came to this church in November um, I actually came just to watch some girl named Lana play the fiddle on stage and while I was here it was completely different from anything I ever experienced in church like worship like it was different not bad it's just like in a Catholic church we don't or they don't do it like that so I was like super tense I like, called myself Catholic hips because I was not moving. I was like, Ugh. people are like screaming. And then after worship, people brought their own Bibles out and had notes and took sermon notes. I was like, this is all so different. But it was different in a good way that I wanted to come and like learn and see why y'all celebrated the way y'all did, why y'all worshiped the way y'all did. And sooner than later, I found myself listening to worship music on my way to work. I found myself bringing my own Bible, taking sermon notes, and for the first time and felt like ever I found, I felt found with Christ and and I just really appreciate this church, what all it's done for me. And I just wanna say for my mom, my dad, my brother and sister, like I love y'all. Thank you for introducing Christ to me. And I wouldn't be here without y'all. And my shirt does say, I believe my team will win. And I'm here to let you know my team is Jesus Christ. So and that's it. So, Jacob, <clears throat> it's awesome hearing your story. So, are you trusting solely in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, sir. Well, the Bible teaches us to follow this with baptism. And so I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, <laughs> raised to walk in the newness of life. <laughs> Now I introduce you to Madeline Allen. She's also been kind of hanging out with someone in our church, Jared Monarch. I'm sure he's here celebrating. When are y'all getting married? October 17th. Uh, she's going to be the first wedding in this church, so that's exciting. So uh, 
Madeline, share your story. Hi, I'm Madeline Allen, and I am getting baptized today because I've never actually truly been baptized in the way that it is taught and shown in the Bible uh, by Jesus Christ. Um, I'm wanting to show my obedience to him as well as my commitment to this church, so that's why I'm getting baptized publicly today. I have uh, struggled with my walk throughout the years. Um, one problem, I've had, I've had some really great highs. Um, I've had some really uh, dark lows. Um, but one problem that I've wrestled with most is thinking that I am solely in control of my own life and my own path. Um, I was consumed with these lies that as long as I was very meticulous and I was very thorough in planning, um, life was going to be great. Everything was going to be fine. Um, this turned out not to be the case. Um, the Lord, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stubborn, so it took probably about two or so years of just kind of constantly feeling unfulfilled um, and a little bit uh, like a failure. And so the Lord humbled me. The Lord humbled me and showed me how weak I really am as a human and that you can't do this without him and that ultimately he is the one in control and that we need him in our lives uh, to lead us and to guide us. And so I surrendered. I knew that I couldn't do this without him. And the Lord showed me grace when I didn't deserve it. And he continues to show me a lot of grace today. Um, after being revealed that truth, I couldn't um, see myself walking through life without him to guide me. Great testimony. Uh, Madeline, are you trusting solely in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? And that's wonderful. And that's why I'm baptizing you today. The Bible teaches us to follow that profession of faith with baptism. So I baptize you, my sister, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ. <laughs> raised to walk in the newness of life. Yeah. Our now Jared, our former student minister, is going to come and baptize several others. Well, good morning. So good to be with you. It's an exciting day um, to get to baptize several of these students. And I know that there's a lot of family here, and I'm probably just as proud as, as you guys of these students having walked with them and getting to see them. So, Allie, go ahead. Come on. six years. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Okay. <laughs> I'm Allie. Um, um, you know, growing up, I was kind of exposed to Jesus, you know, but it just like wasn't an every Sunday kind of thing. Um, and then whenever I was, um, so then I went, I got baptized when I was younger, you know, just because I was like, oh, it's, I'm going to go to heaven if I do this. And so then um, I just kind of went on living life as usual. And then in sixth grade, my dad passed away. 
um, which was obviously really hard and it was really unexpected. Um, and he took his own life, which, um, so then I was like, okay, I need someone to blame, you know, and so I put the blame on me, and, which ended up being really hard, um, and then, you know, you go to, you have to, like, find ways to cope with that, and so my way of coping, um, became, like, self-harm, which was really hard for me to, like, overcome, I guess, and then, um, you know, I was in middle school, and so I was, like, making new friends, and then I met Madeline, and Madeline invited me to church. Madeline is Tracy's daughter, by the way. Um, and, <laughs> and so then I met Madeline. She invited me to church, and I said no a lot um, just because I was mad at God and I didn't want anything to do with him. And then, you know, one Wednesday I said, okay, if I go, you can't ask me to go again. So then I went, and then I was like, okay, I kind of like it. And so then I kept going, and then going into eighth grade, I went to church camp. Um, and then that was whenever the Lord kind of like revealed himself to me in a way that like I hadn't really experienced it before. And so then um, I really just like wanted, I like wanted that, like I wanted that relationship and I wanted that like love that like people say that they've experienced. And so then, you know, I had Madeline there like walk me through that and Jared to like teach me like how to do that. Um, and then, you know, I, I trusted in the Lord for my salvation and like, realized like I'm a sinner and I need a savior um and then I went to high school and um high school is really fun you know um you get yeah and so I went through <laughs> um you know in high school you go through the temptations and you go through like the stages and you know I went through the phases of like partying and like wanting to have more friends and then I kind of realized like I don't need that like that's not fulfilling and like then um you know, I've had some really high places and some really dark places, and whenever I was a going into my senior year, um, or my junior year, I fell into, like, a really dark place, and um, come to find out, um, I have depression and anxiety, which was really hard for me to, like, figure out, like, okay, like, how do I, like, maneuver that while saying that, like, I'm a Christian, and it was also really hard for me to, like, say, like, okay, like, the Lord is so completely able to, like, take it away, but, like, he's not. Like, why isn't he? And then it was, like, a whole thing of, like, well, I don't need to know why he's not. It's just that he's not. Um, and so then through that, I feel like I've grown a lot this year. Um, and, um, and you know, the Lord has also just been really faithful to me to, like, give me a, a variety of people to, like, run to and go to to be, like, my people. Um, and I'm really thankful for them. And it's um, one of them's... <laughs> Jared, um, which just makes me really happy, and um, now I'm, I'm, I think I'm done, um, and so now I'm going to get baptized. <laughs> yeah, so Allie, um, are you trusting in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, upon that profession, um, having walked with you, having seen that in your life as well, it's a true joy and honor to be able to baptize you. Profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm Isabella Hamilton, so go ahead and share your story, Isabella. 
Okay, so I'm Bella, and um, ever since I've been a little kid, um, I was always taught about Jesus and about the Bible and about his word. I was so thankful that God blessed me with um, two Christian parents and who loved me. And so as I began to get older, I was really able to comprehend the weight of my sin and how much I really needed Jesus. And so um, I began to start reading my Bible and just trying to come closer to him. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't really until I started to get involved in youth group and um, just making more Christian friends and um, having more relationships in the church and meeting Jared um, was that wasn't um, that's when I really started to like truly trust the Lord and um, grow even more in him because I had so many people around me who were encouraging me and who were loving on me and um, they just really showed me how much the Lord loved me so um, now I know that I want to spend the rest of my life um, learning more about him and growing more in him. And so that's why I'm here to get baptized today. Well, Bella, are you trusting in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Well, upon that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father. Okay, I'm going to try to get through this without crying. Those of you who know me know I'm a crier. Okay, so most of my life, I did not know God. Church was not a part of my life at all. Um, up until around fifth grade, I'd never even been to a church. We started going to church, but I didn't really comprehend any of it. I actually ended up getting baptized about a month after going there because I was like, oh, that's just what you do. You go to church, get baptized, and then you go to heaven. But I w couldn't have been more wrong. And so my whole life I've really struggled with anxiety. And so like up until middle school, I still was struggling with that. And then around upper middle school, seventh or eighth grade, I kept getting invited to different Christian things like wildlife and I would always decline because I was like, I am so embarrassed that I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about being a Christian. I, if you, you asked me a question about the Bible, I wouldn't know it. And so I was just super ashamed and super insecure of myself. And so finally, after a lot of convincing, I finally went and I, for the first time, saw somebody have a relationship with Jesus. Like, I didn't know he was a person you could talk to, a person who was with you every second. And so from the second, I just kept pursuing a relationship with him, and I finally started reading my Bible, and I started to pray a little more. But there's still a lot of things that I just hadn't really worked out with myself and with God. So when I entered high school, that just brought a whole new world of different things. My anxiety was worse than it had ever been, and I was really lost like I didn't know who I was and who I wanted to be I was way more worried with about the things of the world and who the world thought of me and not at all what God thought about me and so at the end of freshman year I had met some really good Christian friends and they wanted me to talk to this guy that I like and so they were like you should come to youth group and I was like no thank you I was like I'm not going that like I know nothing about God like I'm not a Christian why would I go to youth group and finally, after a lot of convincing, I went, and it was the last one of the year, and so that's when everybody stands up and basically tells about what God has done in their life that year. And I got to hear people that I knew my age talk about what God had done in their life and what they were doing for Christ, and it really just blew my mind. Like, I 
didn't know that I didn't have to be ashamed of God and ashamed of the gospel. I didn't know that I could just be myself and God love me in that. And so after that, I went to every youth every Sunday, and I didn't have a car, so I'd have people picking me up, dropping me off. I never missed it. I had never been to church before, but I signed up to be a student leader because I just felt God really calling me, and I just had such a, like, I just wanted to learn so much about him and get to know him so much more. And so then that next year I went to camp and I went on the mission trip and God did so many things in my life and I'm just so thankful for this church. But then at the beginning of junior year, a lot of things happened and my anxiety just really took a toll on me. I was really depressed, really sad and really insecure. And I kind of felt like God had just like given up on me pretty much. And so I stopped going to church as often and I stopped coming to youth and stopped praying and reading my Bible as much because I just felt embarrassed that I was struggling with something and I thought that I had to pretend to be somebody I wasn't and that if I was a Christian, I can't be struggling with something too, which I couldn't have been more wrong. But then the infamous corona happened and then there goes church, there goes youth, there goes me getting to see my friends and I was like, wow, I missed my shot with God. Like, how could I ever do that? And so then after a few months, I just felt the Lord tugging on my heart and him being like, no, I haven't given up on you. I'm still here. You just have to come to me and you have to know that I'm still here. And so I was like, I think this is God telling me that I need to get baptized and just proclaim that I was once insecure and ashamed. And but now I've been saved and like he's forgiven me for my sins and he loves me. He's there every step of the way. And I just can't wait to live the rest of my life just living for him. Michelle gets nervous talking in front of people, but she's fantastic at articulating the gospel. If she's been able to do that, uh, it's pretty exciting, even around the world. And so a uh, pretty awesome opportunity for her just to share what Christ has done. So, Angel, it's a true joy and honor that uh, I get to do this, but are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? I am. Well, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son. One more. Come on, Henry Googe. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm Henry. Um, my story started um, about 13 years ago in this church, um, and, and I was here every Sunday, and that's just, that's, I'm blessed to have been raised in a family, um, that that was, that was a priority, um, and so from the time I was, for as long as I can remember, that was you know, that was all, like, there was no debating on Sunday morning. We were waking up at 8.30. We were going to church, and we were going to both services, and we were staying the whole time. And we would come home at lunch, and we'd talk about the service afterward. Um, and that's that's how it's been my whole life. Um, and I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. Um, but in, in that, my whole life, I could have told you every answer in every Sunday school class. Um, I could have, you know, from the time I was six years old, I could have told you what the gospel meant. Um, I could have, you know, laid it out and, you know, you know, I could have told you to memorize scripture. Like I, I, I knew all of it and I thought I had it all figured out. Um, but it was just, it was nothing more than education. It was like going to school. Um, and so nothing, none of it really meant anything to me. Like personally, it was just something that I knew and I was supposed to know. Um, and so that all really changed um, the summer right before my eighth grade year. Um, went to camp with Jared um, and like the guys in the youth and. Uh, we went to Georgia Tech, and going to camp, that was, you know, 
Like that was just something I was, you know, I was there because just because. Like there was no, like just there was no, uh, like question that I was not going to be there. Um, so I just showed up like another routine church function, um, uh, to learn about a God that was overarching and overpowerful and in control of all things and uh, who made the world. Um, but I'll never forget that year the speaker talked about um, how God desires to have uh, an intimate relationship with us um, and how he um, longs um, to, to be present in our lives like um, you know, on a personal level. Um, and so that was totally different and unique for me and something that I'd never thought of before. Um, and so for those of you who know me, around that same time, um, summer right before eighth grade, um, I uh, had went through multiple like injuries and had many uh, like multiple surgeries and um, all that kind of uh, like knee reconstructions and wasn't able to do much for a uh, couple years. Um, and so that was really hard because up until that time, I had been, my life had been defined by who I was as a basketball player and who I was like as a person by the friends that I had made uh, through basketball and through being on a team. Um, and in losing that, you know, I lost sight of myself and uh, lost who I was. And so that, all that kind of coming together was, was the perfect, um, it was the perfect, perfect storm for me to um, really, really pursue a personal relationship with God. And that was, that was an amazing experience. Um, and I got to do that and uh, began, you know, uh, my, that's really when my relationship, I would say, with God really started. Um, and so over that time, I learned how, what it was like to lean on God um, and, like, lean on his promises and um, just on scripture and, and, and prayer. Um, but I was, in my mind, like, I was constantly falling short. Um, and so I had this, this like, um, like, like, something I had to live up to in my relationship with God, and, like, I would, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I never read the Bible enough, never prayed enough. Like, it was, it was, like, I knew everything, and, like, I was doing my best, but, like, you know, like, I was failing in my mind. And um, so it wasn't until, like, the last, uh, like, last year um, that, that, you know, I really began to, like, the gospel really came into my heart, and, and, like, you know, you realize, like, your failures don't define you. Like, my failures don't define me. Like, when I fall short in my relationship with Christ, like, that's the same as me falling short in life. And, like, God has an un unfailing love for me, like, in my relationship, um, and it's perfect. And just to trust in that and to know that, like, it's not up to me and my relationship with God is not up to me and, like, what happens in life is not up to me. Um, there's just a peace in that that I've really found. Um, and so just, just living um, inside of that and really living in light of the gospel has been really, really uh, powerful in my life. Um, and so just in saying that, I've you know, decided that I didn't want to live, after experiencing a peace um, like that, I didn't want to live any other way. Um, so that's why I decided to be baptized today. Well, Henry, are you trusting in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins today? Well, upon that profession of faith, I get to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son. <laughs> it truly is a, a joy uh, having walked with these students. Um, it, it's one thing for a student to say that they follow Christ, but then to have seen them on their campus and to have walked with them for years and, and to get to see the struggles that they go to and the, the evidence of the God at work in them and not letting go of them. Whew, it's going to get me. 
but to to get to see them make a profession of faith and to to say I, I stand with Christ um, is such an encouragement and such a joy and I hope that it inspires you I hope that what you've heard from all of their stories this morning is that it's not about perfection but it's about it's progress and it's about trusting in what Christ has done on our behalf that, that the finished work of Christ is secure and that we put our hope and our faith in that so let me pray for us as we celebrate with them God it is such a joy just to be reminded of of the work that you do God that you take sinners and you make them saints in Christ. God, that you take us where we're at, that we don't have to get ourselves to a certain point before you, you usher us in, you call us to yourself, Lord, but that you meet us where we're at. And, and God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for your never-ending love, Lord, that, that doesn't run out of grace, that doesn't stop or give up on us when we continue to to fail, Lord, but that you pick us back up, you tell us who we are, Lord, and you give us the strength to endure. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, that, that we would celebrate what you've done and that as we sing these songs, Lord, that it would be an expression of our heart, um, Lord, that as we hear the word preached, Lord, that it would be um, an encouragement to us to continue to live out the identity that you've called us as sons and daughters. Lord, I pray for these that have been baptized, Lord, would you just continue to embolden them and give them opportunities to share of the goodness of their God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, that's awesome, baptism being the symbol of Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, raised to walk in newness of life. Um, as we continue this morning in our time of worship, uh, I think sometimes we come in and we wonder, why do we sing? Um, what's the reason for singing in church? All churches seem to sing. Um, but the reason we do is out of obedience to God's word. We believe the Bible to be the true uh, book uh, that God has given us without error. It commands us over and over in the scriptures to sing. And so I want to read a passage of scripture that as we, as we think about that truth that God says, sing praises. Let's read this passage of scripture, Psalm 100. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. I invite you to stand with us as we obey the scriptures in singing praises to the Lord.
about bringing praise and honor and glory to the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Lord, we gather each week, uh, we sing, we pray, we teach from your word, Father, and it's all the way that we worship you with thankful hearts. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts this morning as we come to your word. We 
thank you for your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Allie was in our house. Allie and my daughter are good friends, as she mentioned, and she's been at the house talking about, uh, is there any possible way to avoid this day? <laughs> I was like, nope, you're doing it. So we're so proud of all of you, so proud of everyone. And, you know, with all this COVID and everything, the way uh, we are so blessed to have a new student minister, Jake Borum, but I also want you to just have this opportunity to thank Jared for his years of ministry with students, and what a better, what a better day. And his beautiful family. I know they all, it's, a, it's a ministry unit, so thank you, Kristen, and all your, all your love that you've done with these students as well. And so what a great testimony. What a great kind of transition uh, time for you to see so much of the fruit, and there's been so much more. And we look forward, so excited about what's going to happen in the years ahead in that ministry, the student ministry, and in the new discipleship ministry. But, you know, we've, we've celebrated the Christian faith today. We celebrated the difference that Jesus makes in people's lives, but... How do you know that we got it right? I mean, really, are they just doing that because they were raised in a Christian home? Is that why you have chosen to follow Christ? Because you were raised in a Christian home, born in America, born in a Christian family, and so it's just the thing to do? It's kind of like going to Louisiana Tech. In my family, you just go there. You don't even really consider any other school. That's just where we're going because we all go there. We love it. But... Did you know there are 1,500, 1,500 religions? We may have some screen trouble here today. Let's see. There are 1,500 religions in the world, in the United States. And of all those religions, only about 1 billion of them are Christian, but the rest of them are disagreeing with you. There's 1.28 billion Muslims. There's... 820 million Hindus, there's 400 million Buddhists, there's 14.2 million uh, who, who worship Judaism, who participate in Judaism. So if you take all those underneath Christianity, there's a lot of people that disagree with you. And so how do we know what's right? Christianity and Judaism are the oldest by far. They are, are, are the longest. Maybe you go, well, let's go with that. But Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam are much more recent manifestations. But did you know that in the 20th century, more than any other century, there has been an explosion of religion? It's the greatest influx of religious groups in the history of our country. And so we need to be able to answer the question, are we really certain that what we believe is true and what is right? That's the question. Can, can you believe what you've been taught? Can you believe what you've been handed down as this is what we this is our faith? That's what we're going to look at today. And to determine which religion is true, to determine if a religious faith or a worldview that a, that a religion teaches, to determine if it's true, 
if you can be certain of it, there are three tests that any, any worldview has to meet. A non-religion is a belief. It's a worldview, and that has to meet these same tests. But those three tests are logical consistency, empirical adequacy, and experiential relevance. Those are all kind of big words, but we're going to work through them, and we're going to see that basically, as we begin our study of the Gospel of Luke, Luke begins his study in this passage, verse 1, 2, and 3, basically laying out these three tests. He says these, these three tests are met in Christianity, in his Gospel. And so my prayer is that we look at this Gospel and we see, he says, my very purpose in writing, he says, is so that you may have certainty. That's why he wrote this gospel, is he wants you to have certainty that you can trust in Christ, that the Christian message is absolutely certain and true, that those baptisms are validated, that that is, praise the Lord, that is genuine and that is real. The three tests, you can be certain that what you've been taught is true if it passes these three tests. So Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we examine these three tests in verses 1, 2, and 3. Lord, would you just give every heart here a great conviction of the certainty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can know that what we put our faith in, the teachings that have been passed down to us through the Christian heritage that we've been blessed with and through the Bible that we study, that it is certain, it is true. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's see what each of these tests looks like in verses 1 through 3. First of all, logical consistency. What is logical consistency? Well, it basically means that it has to make sense. I mean, we are reasoning beings. We have a brain, and to, to believe in Christ doesn't mean, okay, just check your brain at the door and have faith. Faith doesn't mean that it is something that we just believe with no evidence or no reasoning. Instead, I want you to see what Luke wants us to see is the Christian faith is extremely, profoundly, logically consistent. It is one clear, coherent message that makes sense. In fact, the, the step of faith, yeah, everyone has to take the step of faith. You have to step, step, take a step of faith to believe in Jesus, but you also have to take a step of faith to not believe in Jesus, to believe in something else, or to believe that there isn't a God. Everyone has to choose what is their step of faith, and what we see is the Christian message has the smallest leap, smallest step of faith. Anything else, I would suggest, takes a gigantic leap of faith. And so the logical consistency, we get this in verse 1 where Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. All right, what is Luke saying there? Let's start with what Luke's not saying. What he's not saying is, hey guys, there's a lot of accounts of what happened about Jesus, and I'm giving you another one. And here's my version, believe my version. That's not what he is saying. In fact... He says something very different. He says, a lot of people have written, and I am saying that inasmuch as they have written, I'm writing too. He's aligning himself with what was previously written. He's saying, I also have spent an enormous amount of work, that word undertaking. He's saying, inasmuch as they undertook, spent a lot of time and energy and research writing, I am doing the same thing. 
And then what are we writing about? He's not just writing about things that happened. He's writing about things that were accomplished, the things that have been accomplished among us. That's different than just saying, oh, some things happened. He's saying, listen, God, and the word there, the wording there, is God perfectly fulfilled among us, among us who could see these things, as you're going to see in just a minute, God perfectly fulfilled the things that those had previously spent a lot of enormous time and energy to undertake, to write out. We saw God fulfill the sacred writings. We saw with our own two eyes God fulfilled the scriptures, is what Luke is saying. Now, pause for a minute. After the first service, I said, how do we do? We got all this new technology and baptisms. As you can see, I'm kind of half wet. And they said, C minus, Pastor, you kept saying Paul. Okay, Luke wrote Luke. I've been in Corinthians for a year, and Paul comes out of my mouth every time. So if I say Paul, I mean Luke. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke is writing this, and Luke is a medical doctor. And so what Luke is doing is very interesting. Luke is doing what our current researchers do today. He's saying, my research as a medical doctor trained in research is building on the previous body of research. And he says, I'm excited to tell you that what I have discovered is that God is fulfilling all the writings of the Hebrew scriptures. It's an incredible statement to make. All that has been accomplished among us that we saw with our own eyes, God was fulfilling with the scriptures. In other words, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Put your faith in him. That's what a gospel, the, the book, the gospel does, is it says, look at the life, the teachings, and the message of Jesus and see how he fulfills your Old Testament. He is the promised Messiah. He is the promised Christ. That's a Hebrew and Greek word. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. They both mean the anointed one that God promised. And so he is saying Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. And when we read Luke, we're going to see that that's what Jesus said about himself. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said this. And Luke heard it. Luke got word in his research, and he recorded it. And he says, quote, Jesus said, everything written about me, Jesus said, in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. It's kind of narcissistic, isn't it, if he's not really God? He says, the law, prophets, and writings, law, prophets, and, and Psalms, that's a way of referring to the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Jesus said, all the law, the prophets, and writings, it was about Jesus. And he said in verse 27, a few verses previous to this, this is all on the road to Emmaus, and we get in our study of Luke, we're going to see this. He said, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus said all of that was about Jesus. All of that was about himself. And Luke is saying, I undertook a very careful study of all that Jesus said and did, and I'm telling you, he fulfills all the previous writings. He fulfills the scriptures, but he does so in two ways. How does Jesus fulfill the scriptures when his name isn't really talked about in the Old Testament text? Well, first of all, the Old Testament promised Jesus. 
We see this all throughout the scriptures. We see in Genesis 3.15, as the story unfolds of God created humanity, they fell, they sinned, but God promised to the woman Eve that you will have a son. A son of a woman will be born, and he will slay the serpent. He will defeat Satan. And he goes on and creates this portrait of Jesus all throughout the narratives. If you carefully read, you'll see it. He'll be the son of Abraham. He will be the son of Abraham. That's a lot of sons. But he'll come from the line of Isaac. And he'll come from the line of Jacob. And he will be a son of David. And he'll be like David. He'll be a king. He'll be an eternal king. His scepter will never depart from him. And I will establish his kingdom. It'll be an everlasting kingdom. This is all different verses from the Old Testament scriptures. And the Psalms are so rich with the fact that it nails it down so, so, so specifically that he will be rejected, he will be betrayed, he will die. This is all in your Psalms. He will be resurrected, he will be born of a virgin, he will be born in Bethlehem, he will be preceded by a guy named John the Baptist. His side will be pierced. He will be poor, but he will be treated like hung between two thieves, but he will be buried in a rich man's tomb. Read Isaiah 53 if you want a detailed account, thousands of years before it actually happened, of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and the significance of his being pierced for our sins. All of this is in your Old Testament. And the people that Luke investigated said, Jesus is fulfilling all those that were promised about Jesus. The Old Testament promised and prophesied and predicted Jesus. But we also, sometimes we miss this, the Old Testament prefigured Jesus. The Old Testament prefigured Jesus. This is so rich when you read your Old Testament, you start making these connections between the old and the new. This is why I love the book of Hebrews. We had some, uh, some students at our house last night. They were hanging out, and this just happens. When people come into my house and they know I'm a pastor, they get very spiritual real fast. And so about 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, bad to go to bed. And then one of them says, hey, pastor, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And I was like, Really? And he's just like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And actually, he knew his Bible. It was really impressive. But I said, Hebrews, in the New Testament, I love Hebrews because of what we're talking about today. The writer of Hebrews makes all these connections of how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. He was prefigured in so many ways. He was prefigured in people like Moses. He is the greater Moses. Not one like Moses has come, but Jesus is the greater Moses. He is prefigured in the events like the Exodus where God's people are delivered. Jesus is the new exodus for his people. He was prefigured in the institutions like the tabernacle and the sacrifices. Jesus is the dwelling place of God. And in the sacrificial system where the, the high priest would go in once a year on a special day of atonement to sacrifice a lamb on behalf of the sins of the people. Jesus is the great high priest who went into the Holy of Holies and sacrificed himself, the infinitely holy and perfect God-man, sacrificed for sin to cover the sins of his people. Jesus fulfills the scriptures. He is the prophet that we long for from the Old Testament. He is the priest described in the Old Testament. He is the king we wait for who will reign over God's kingdom. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Amen. And that's what Luke is saying, y'all. I've investigated this. I've looked into it, and it's true. 
beyond anything you could ever imagine, Jesus and the gospel and the Christian message is logically consistent. There is no contradiction. In fact, it is extraordinarily, profoundly logically consistent because Jesus fulfills all the previous teachings. You can be certain about your baptism. You can be certain about your faith in Christ. He's the real deal. Not only is it logically consistent, but it's em empirically adequate. Empirical adequacy is the second test. In order for something to be empirical, it's that, it's that idea of meeting the test, looking at the evidence, making sure the empirical evidence, you know, fact, come on, give me some fact. Let's look at history. Let's look at the data. Let's be scientific about this. Let's check this out and measure it and test it and scrutinize it and prove it. And if it doesn't meet the facts, don't ask me to believe it. Absolutely, that is fair. Don't be afraid to scrutinize the gospel message. Don't be afraid to scrutinize the word of God. Put it through the test. Nothing will pass the test like the word of God. It has been through extraordinary scrutiny. Look at verse 2. He says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, key phrase, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered these teachings to us. The teachings that have been passed down from generation to generation originated not with one guy having a mystical experience off in the woods, sitting on a stump and coming down and telling us, God spoke to me. This arose in the context of a community of people who are eyewitnesses. This is exactly what you want. You want eyewitness evidence. This is what you want if you're in a court of law. Evidence that is admissible in a court of law is eyewitness evidence. But it's even better than just simply eyewitness evidence. What you really want in the court of law is eyewitness evidence of someone who was against the message or the person and who has radically been changed to say I was setting out to disprove it but I through my eyes saw something that has convinced me and that's what this message is the apostles people who were not looking for this to be true were completely radically transformed Paul, the Apostle Paul, which I do mean to say Paul this time, was radically opposing the message and was transformed. People who were trying to put Jesus to death came to faith. Eyewitness accounts who were so impacted by the message that they ended up being willing to die for the message rather than to deny it. It, it is empirically adequate. Luke's gospel is filled with times and names and places that you get to him and you may be like, oh, boring. Why does he do that? Because he's writing to people to say, check it out. Verse 5, what we'll look at next week. In the days of Herod, who is that? King of Judea. Okay, what about it? Well, there was a priest named Zechariah. He was of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife. Well, which wife? Well, she was from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And then we're going to hear about Elizabeth having a baby. John the Baptist preceding Jesus as the Old Testament proclaimed. But why the details? Why the name, the place? And you're going to see dates and regions and genealogies so that you can verify it. 
so that you can look at the evidence and weigh it and say, is this believable? If you were going around claiming today that you were the God of the universe in flesh, people are going to want to check it out, I promise. And if it doesn't check out, it's not going to grow into the largest religion of the world, okay? He's naming times and places so that you can validate it. The Word of God has undergone extraordinary scrutiny. Luke is like the best investigative journalist ever. He investigated it. He was a master at it. He, he, he says in verse 3, he says, It seemed good to me, having followed things closely, for some time past to write an orderly account. I want to lay it out there for you. I'm going to put all the eyewitness accounts so that you can see this loud and clear. You can put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible has been scrutinized. In fact, archaeologists, textual critics, historians have scrutinized it, and all of them confirm the trustworthiness of Luke's account. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to check your mind at the door to put faith in Christ. It's verifiably accurate. In fact, you know where secular archaeologists, archaeologists who don't believe the message of Jesus Christ, who don't believe the theology that's taught in the scriptures, you know where those secular archaeologists go first when they're trying to locate a place? or an artifact, and they're trying to figure out where to start to go, to dig. The first place they go is the Bible because it is so faithful in its facts. Even if they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah of the Old Testament, they know the Bible is verifiably accurate. It's logically consistent. It's empirically adequate. Finally, we see experiential relevance. Experiential relevance. What does that mean? It means it has to have, Ravi says, explanatory power. Ravi Zacharias. Explanatory power. In other words, it has to matter. The worldview that's developed has to have impact. It has to answer questions of origin. Where do I come from? Questions of meaning. What is the purpose of my life? question of of destiny what is the end of life what happens after death no worldview no religion does a better job of satisfying the longings of every human's heart to know the answer to those questions only christianity does it has explanatory power jesus answers all the longings of your heart you were created by Jesus, you were created for his glory, and you will be with Jesus eternally, now and forevermore. He gives you life and meaning. He answers the questions, how can a just God forgive guilty sinners and yet still be just? He did it by taking the punishment himself. This is not human wisdom. Only the Christian message answers the deep longings of your heart. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus 
pass these tests. The person of Jesus is profoundly powerful as you read about him in Luke. His teachings have an authority that surpass all other religious, so-called religious leaders. His works, his miracles are profoundly superior to anyone else. No other religious leader in the history of religion has ever proclaimed, has ever dared to proclaim that he or she themselves is the Savior. They all point somewhere else, not Jesus. Jesus said, I am the Savior. No other religion, none, zero, no other religion has salvation as a gift. You don't make this up. As humans, there's a longing to make up a, a religion that says you must work your way up to God. Christianity is the only religion. Jesus is the only one that said God came down to give us salvation as a gift. That he died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried to satisfy the demands of God. And he was resurrected in power, proving that he gives righteousness. He satisfies the demands of God. He gives salvation as a gift. It's a gift of grace you receive by faith. That's a profoundly different message than any and all other religions or non-religions. And if a guy's going to make that kind of claim, you're going to be certain the people where it was going on were checking it out. And Luke did an extraordinary job, extraordinary job of checking it out. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will satisfy and my prayer that as Luke provides an orderly account for us, and as you in the days ahead start to read the Gospel of Luke, and we study it together, that week in and week out, that your certainty, your confidence, your conviction will grow to the point where, like when Jesus comes to Peter and he says, he said, who they say I am, and Peter, asked, Peter answered, and then he says, but who do you say I am? I want you to be able to say with Peter, with great certainty, Jesus is the Christ of God. I want you to know that what you have been blessed, what teachings have been passed down to you in the Christian faith, if you are a follower of Christ, that you can be certain it's true. It's past the scrutiny. It's logically consistent. The evidence is supports it and it has explanatory power Robbie Zachariah said it best when he said this the verification of what Jesus taught and described and did make belief in him a very rationally tenable and existentially fulfilling reality the Christian faith presents explanatory power in a way no other worldview does. Our faith and trust in Christ is reasonably grounded and experientially sustained. You can trust Jesus. And I pray that you will today. Lord God, I pray that all over the room this morning, through the testimonies of baptism, through the songs that we sing, and through Luke's writing, that we will praise you, that we will have deep 
abiding conviction and confidence that Jesus is the Christ who fulfills the scriptures. He forgives sins, and may we all put our hope and trust solely in Christ this morning. And we sing to your glory. It's in Christ's glorious name we pray. Amen.
able to stand and say, yet not I, but Christ through me. Man, I pray that we live by that. We live by that statement. We live by that anthem. My name is Kevin Wilty. I'm a minister on staff here at Norris Ferry. And I just want to say, if you're a guest here with us, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us this morning. I would love for you to do two things. Um, and the first thing is to pull out your phone. I know that's a weird request, but I ask you to pull out your phone in church and go ahead and text NFCC guest to 97,000. Um, when you text NFCC guest to 97,000, that's going to shoot you a link back. And if you click on that link, you can fill out just a connect card. And that connect card will come to me. And I'll reach out to you this week and just let you know, hey, here are the best ways for you to get connected to Norris Ferry. And so I'd love for you to do that. Uh, second, you can text NFCC info to 97,000, and that's going to uh, subscribe you to our weekly newsletter. And so if you want to receive information about what's going on weekly at Norris Ferry, if you want to see um, sermon questions that are posted out, if you want to see a calendar of events, then go ahead and text NFCC info to 97,000 and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Uh, as a guest, the first step for you to get connected is connection group. Uh, we have connection groups starting at in September, and our registration.